What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. Special guest today. What's going on, man? How are you? Hey, not too bad. How are you feeling? Good, good. Oh, I'm excited to do this. Yeah, should I actually say my name? Yes, so yes. Your name and who you are now. Let's just—you are the mystery man, the Shadow There's Shadow nothing. Corporation. Actually, for the longest time, that was what my door was. I didn't have a name on my door. Everyone's awesome. like, "You got to get a logo," and I was like, "No, nah, I'm cool. If yeah. you don't know that I'm here, you should." <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, for uh, sure. That's uh, it makes so, sense. Yeah, uh, David Stowers, uh, massage therapist um, for over ten years. Uh, used to teach at a school that no longer exists. So that there you go. There's always a fun thing. Uh, but yeah, here we are. What did you uh, teach? I taught at a massage school. So okay. I taught everything from anatomy, physiology, um, pathology, all the way to some of the kind of the philosophical things of why the Eastern study to Western study, some of the differences, things like that. Um, but I was mostly just an anatomy nerd. Yeah, I still am. So, uh, yeah. That's... What's your favorite muscle? If you had uh, to like pick, like I wanted the name just like, just always. I, you know, I've you always really enjoyed um, the orbicularis oculi oh and the orbicularis oris, just because one, I love the name orbicularis and yeah. because they're both funny muscles because they only have one bony attachment, okay. which makes them unique as a muscle. What do they do? What do those muscles do? I so uh, the orbicular, no, no, orbicularis yeah. oculi, which has uh, two portions, the palpebral, uh, every time you blink your eye, it contracts. Okay. It's also the thing that allows your eyes to show emotion. The avericularis um, oris uh, is a muscle that goes around the mouth that allows you to actually suckle, which makes mammals different than a lot of other animals, obviously. Fun uh, fact for the, yeah. for the podcast. Interesting. I did yeah. not know that. So the thumbs and, and the ability to suckle. Got yep. it. <laughs> yep. So that's why, you know, you know, little uh, alligator floating around doesn't really have nipples because, uh, you know, babies can't do much with it. God, that reminds me of remember Meet the Parents? Yep. I have nipples, fucker. Will you milk me? Yes, indeed. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that joke comes up. And I'm, it's, it's surprising it follows me around. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's weird, but I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, man, that, that's awesome. So, well, hold on. What's oh, your you got muscle? more? Oh, my favorite. Okay. Believe it or not, it's the sartorius muscle. Ah, I love that one. And when I was in PT school, it was about the time... The song um, by Notorious B.I.G. Yep. came out. No, no, Notorious, and I just always used to sing it, saying Sartorius. Yep. And so you and you and I are liking that way. Yeah, and I also <laughs> like it. You know, to to let's, let's, the movement nerd part of me, like it's pretty fascinating with that muscle. It does like a ton of things. Yes. You know, it's like a big adductor, brings your hips towards you. Mm-hmm. It's also a hip flexor, like. It's just bananas, all the cool stuff it does. It's a very long muscle. It's difficult to stretch. So, you know. Yep. Yeah. And I I like the fact that like a lot of other muscles, uh, it's part of more than one group. And so, you know, you have the adductors. But my favorite thing is it's part of the Pez answer group. Mm -hmm. The duck foot or the goose foot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's always fun because people come in, they talk about like the inside of their knee hurting. You're just like, well, come on. I mean, it's obviously this. And uh, they're just kind of stare at you most yeah, of the time. Right, right. Like, well, there's so many muscles that yeah. attach to that one spot. I do remember that in a yep. school, and that used to be a spot that we used to focus on a lot. And she's like, yeah, there's it could be this, 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 all these attachments on this yeah. one 
small part of your knee, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Human body is definitely a fascinating thing. I enjoy it. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) me too. That's why we're here, right? Yeah. So you've done some teaching and I I know Mm -hmm. we've chatted a little bit. So you've got like a super interesting story. So like, you know, you got kind of Eastern philosophy and kind of massage therapy, like more Western influence. Can you just give us a little bit of like history of kind of like where you came from? You know, now you have your own practice here in West Ashley. Like, Give us the story of how that evolved to where you are now. Uh, There's a lot of things that have come to this point. Yeah. So I was actually um, pre-med in college uh, and then uh, major medical and I had a bit of a disagreement. Uh, So I said, you know what? I'm just going to go to massage school until I figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Uh, And then I ended up going to Australia. I ended up going to China where I spent a good portion of time studying at the Beijing Olympic Center uh, and learning that, you know, pushing hard doesn't always mean producing force. And I was taught by this little old lady who's one of the few people who's ever dropped me to my knees with one finger. And uh, she did it in the way of wanting to help me, uh, and it did. Uh, but for the rest of the time, she showed me uh, something interesting called subtle strength. Uh, she showed just how it, your intention actually produces much better force than anything else. Uh, then, uh, so I was teaching at the time. I came back, um, kind of continued teaching and developing a new style that you know, took what I learned in China with my med school background um, and then just kind of been going that direction. Um, I've always kind of worked for myself since the very beginning, Mm -hmm. Um, just renting rooms or then opening my own thing finally. Uh, Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about like what you learned. I mean, obviously that's super fascinating, but tell us a little more about subtle strength and kind of the things, because I'm definitely fascinated by this. You kind of have which I don't think they're opposed. A lot of people do like Eastern medicine and Western medicine. Oh no, they're not. Right. There's ways they can complement each other. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's ways that they accomplish certain tasks and, and a certain message done in an Eastern philosophy way may yep. make a lot more sense to somebody than when I just talk about biology and anatomy. So I love the melding of the two. So maybe just tell us a little bit more because I mean, it's super interesting kind of like what you learned there, what they kind of taught, how it was different. So what's interesting about, uh, so the, the sitting in China and you go in and you are one big group and you all go in and you all, the, all the doctors are there. And when you show proficiency in something, you're kind of taken aside by a doctor. And so where it was a group of 30 people and we all learned Twaina to some degree, some of us were taken to learn other parts, um, some of the more medical mobilization, you know, tractioning, that kind of stuff. And others were taken to go do, you know, and experience acupuncture and, um, you know, those kind of uh, energetics and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was a very interesting thing. But what I learned uh, in subtle strength is the idea that you should use body mechanics. Um, my clients always ask, don't your arms get tired? Don't your hands get tired? And I was like, no, no, no. Most of everything I do is educated falling all day long. It's just making sure that my body is in a, a really good position. Um, one of the other things I learned in China was uh, Tai Chi. So they really honed in some stuff that I was already doing. Uh, but through the Tai Chi movements and then tying those into my massage work, uh, yeah, my legs get tired well before my arms ever do. And so that was the subtle strength idea. It was this ability to um, – and <laughs> so funny story – during a Tai Chi lesson, I uh, the guy doing it wanted to show how it could also be a martial art. He dislocated my right wrist. And Whoa. so I was like, okay, well, that doesn't feel good. So I actually went in and I did the, the dumbest thing you could ever do. I reset it. Um, 
And uh, as soon as that happened, it swelled and I couldn't put a lot of pressure on it. Got some acupuncture and it fixed it all up the next day. But when I walked in, my teacher looked at me and it wasn't the, uh, the lady, it was the, the guy teacher. And he just got the biggest smile on his face. And I was like, I can't use my right hand. And he just smiled bigger and he goes, use the left one, which he had been trying to get me to do since mm-hmm. I walked in. I'm very right hand dominant. And so it was actually kind of perfect because it showed me how to learn how to do all these movements with my left hand and how to have to, you know, try to create subtle strength with a left hand where you're producing a massive amount of force, but your wrist is completely relaxed at the same time. And you're actually using movement and letting that kind of just hinge. Um, I don't know if you know what a, um, an oil wrench is where Mm. you take the, uh, a can of oil out of a car it's just a band and you tighten that band and then you produce the force and it comes off. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And it's the same thing. So you, you put your grip and you make the grip. And then as you're pulling back, it's just allowing those joints and allowing the motion and the physics of how you're holding your body to do the work. That's interesting. I, by default, many things to, to talk about right there, but one thing <laughs> that came to my head is same thing for like physical therapists, right? Like we're mobilizing people. We're like manually stretching them. We're doing mm-hmm. hands-on work. Definitely had some, uh, thumb issues in the past. And one thing I kind of just learned by default, like we do this pure form of stretch, which is just simply somebody basically lays on their back, you get their hip and knee at 90 degrees and kind of rotate their hip to yep. get a stretch in the glute. Right. And like, mm-hmm. I used to do it with my hands all the time. It was just like really hard, especially on bigger people. Just like, and then one day I just kind of figured out that I could just like stick the person's leg, like under my armpit, sorry for the crudeness, but not literally touching my armpit. And I could just lean And one thing, I could produce way more force. Mm -hmm. Two, my arms and shoulders didn't kill me anymore, right? And it's just like, I'm I'm kind of fascinated by that because I realized that early on, like, you can't do this for 20 years. You've got to find ways to, like, use physics, as you put it, or leverage in a way that won't beat up your body, which is is awesome. Yeah, which is all it was about. Yeah. 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 Uh, So, you know, and that's funny, actually, because the lady who just crushed me every time I got on her table... We tried reversing that role. Yeah, nothing. Yeah. She just got off. She was like, that's nice. Basically patted me on the back and said, eh, good try. Right. And then just left. It was so. Yeah. Uh, you got to learn that stuff, right? It just takes time. It's like, a you know. You have to hone in exactly how to maneuver the body. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. I mean, treating everything. I, lo- I love it. Like almost like a sport. Like it's a skill that you need to learn. Yep. You can continue to improve upon it. Like leverage things in different ways. Get to different areas and make you a more effective massage therapist. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. That's awesome, man. Like the other thing too is Tai Chi. So I know a little mm-hmm. bit about this because if anybody remembers the movie, um, the Bobby Fisher movie, mm-hmm. do you know what I'm talking about? I forgot the full name of it. It's just escaping me right now. Uh, something about finding him. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, finding Bobby Fisher. So yeah. searching for Bobby Fisher, something like that. It's about this, uh, child prodigy chess champion. Yep. And that person's actual name is Josh Waitskin. And he had this book. I don't know if you've ever heard of this book. It's called mm-hmm. Art of Learning. And he, like, this is almost unheard of, like, did Tai Chi. And then the martial art of that is called push hands, mm-hmm. which is, I guess, you're, you must Or be sticky thinking. hands. Sticky hands, sure. Either one. And, like, basically just trying to push somebody out of a ring. I don't know a ton about it. But he became, like, almost the grand champion of that as well, Wow. too. And, like, you know, and it's all about leverage. That's literally... All it's about is about creating leverage in certain ways and doing that, you know, to a, to an opponent or whatever. So if you've never heard of that book, it is a fascinating book. It's all about learning a new skill and like having becoming 
basically a master of any skill. This is a person who became basically one of the best chess players in the world and one of the best push hands people in the world, like all in, you know, by the time he was 30 or something like that. It's kind of bananas. So yeah, yeah. huge tangent there. So it's perfect tangent. (laughs) It is to me at least. That's how I I want to roll. There we go. Perfect timing. All right. So you, um, you know, have your sabbatical in China, Mm -hmm. right? And now you're, you're back here and you've got your own practice, like you said. And like, you know, maybe a good question is like, what kind of stuff are you doing right now? Like in your practice or maybe even your own training, which is, I'm starting to ask a lot of people, you know, mm-hmm. like how are you keeping yourself healthy and like things like that? Uh, well, healthy uh, is interesting. I'm actually working with the guys over the kettlebell club. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doing this um, a 12 program. And a lot of that is it's, it's intense, which is funny because actually we had a friend of mine was just like, of course you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we, you know, the guys at the gym always used to laugh at me. They said, Oh, it's a Stowers method. Just screw it and do it. You know, don't worry about <laughs> training. Don't worry about, you know, all the details. You yeah. Know, be like, Hey, do you want to do this journey? I was going, yeah, why not? Yeah. I, I mean, like that method. So, um, but yeah, so I said, I can't do it. I don't have the time. I mean, we'd have to do a 5am class and then. Brett came over to me and said, all right, we're gonna do a 5 a.m. class. And I was like, I'm not sure you understood. That was actually a joke, but yep. here we go. Let's do nice. it. Uh, so yeah, it's basically um, five days a week at 5 a.m. And then there's a run and then uh, there's a whole nutrition program. And awesome. uh, which is really good because um, after the, I had a lung issue uh, with some construction debris um, and a flood and that we got uh, in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my lungs kind of got a little hit and, I just I was having a hard time motivating myself to get back to exercising yeah. and being healthy. So this was perfect timing for me. Um, and yeah, just rolling with that. Otherwise, man, I just go home and play with the kids. Yeah. You know, they're, they're two weights and I have to constantly get stronger because they're just getting bigger and they're getting faster. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, my son can straight up tackle me by running and jumping off the couch yeah. and you got to be careful. Uh, always having your perception, you know, how, how old are they? Uh, five and six. Five and six. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. We, we Liam's about to turn seven. So, yep. you know, like, uh, yeah, that, that's awesome, man. That's, yeah, that's a workout in and of itself. Yeah, it's perfect. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Try crawling across the ground and seeing how far you get. Yeah. You know, there's your workout for the day. Yeah. All my, all my clients are like, oh, if you could do two exercises, what would they be? And I was like, you would crawl and you would do Turkish get ups. Yeah. That's it. Do those two things. And they said, oh, okay, well, is it really hard? And I was like, especially when you have, a five-year-old girl, a six-year-old boy, and a fat cover spaniel. Yeah. If, as soon as I drop below three feet, nah, it's no, game's on. Attack. Yeah. Yeah. No, I have this video. I don't know if it's still in circulation, but I have to find it. Um, I think Liam was three or whatever, and I grabbed him, you know, put him in the Turkish get-up, mm-hmm. and got all the way up and back down, and he just thought it was the funniest thing. Both my kids love it. Yeah. So we do it when we're out on the trampoline, just in case you know they fall. Sure. Uh, Smart. But then, of course, I realized that it's actually harder on me because that is not a stable surface. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the first time I did it with Kai, he's like grabbed on. And then I tried to do it with Madeline. She's giggling and laughing and squirming. And so that made that much harder. Yeah. Yeah. But now I got to see if I can do that now, now that they're a little bit older. I don't know. Liam's maybe 50, 60 pounds now. So that might be a little bit tougher. So <laughs> just got to tell them to stay still. So moving six on and seven year olds, they know how to stay still. Yeah, it's true. You can finally tell them, hey, <laughs> stop moving. Yeah, and they'll listen at least for a minute or two, right? Yeah, until so they're like, oh, look, squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there are a lot of squirrels in the world. So, okay, cool. Like, so um, what I am fascinated about, too, is yeah. like, you're obviously getting a lot of people, you know, into your practice quite a bit, mm-hmm. right? And they're coming to you kind of for like 
massage therapy and like, you know, what kind of things do you typically work on them with or like what kind of stuff do you focus on? Cause I obviously know you a little bit more, like you're doing more than just massage therapy in yeah. my opinion, you know what I mean? Or at least what people think it is. So I'd love to just kind of know what you do when a kind of patient comes in and how that all works. Cause I think it's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So the first thing is um, my windows are tinted, so you can't really see in. That way you don't see the fact that I'm watching you from the time that you exit your car to the time you walk up to your, my door. Nice. Why? Because you're honest at that point. But it is amazing how many people fix their posture the second they touch the doorknob. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And then you're like, yeah. you're like, oh, you know, my posture is not that bad. I'm like, you know, I was watching. They're like, I know. Right. Right. And so, um, but yeah, my the number one thing I'm always looking at is posture, how you carry yourself, how you hold yourself. Um, I'm also, I generally talk to people for a second before we start Mm -hmm. and I talk long enough to watch them shift their posture at least twice. Sure. Uh, that way I can start seeing patterns of how they hold their body because that tells me generally where your fascial chains are, where your compensation chains are. Um, and that shows me kind of what you need and have to do to get through your day. And so we now know what to reverse. Um, then, you know, other than that, it's mobilization, it's going in. Um, so I don't really focus as much on the muscles, the way that a lot of people do. Um, what I'm doing is working a lot of fascial chains and I'm working joint capsules. I'm working the joints. I'm opening them up because my job is to give you the ability to move into a certain range. Mm -hmm. And it is then between what I tell you about how to hold your posture and everything else. And then when you go to do your workouts, it's up to you to use that range and maintain that and to open up and become, because a lot of people have passive abilities, but they don't have active abilities. And when you come and you see me, I'm going to expand your passive ability. And you then have to expand that active ability. In other words, if I can take you below parallel on external rotation from the table, that's great. But can you then actually go and when you do an overhead press, set your elbow and your um, wrist perpendicular to the floor with your shoulder blades back and down? Yeah. Um, And that's kind of the trick of getting the client is I can't fix you. All I can do is facilitate. I'll open everything. And then it's up to you to then go and actually use it so that you can gain what I've given you. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've used this analogy and you can tell me if this is something that you'd find beneficial or if it's right is, you know, if I put, I tell people, if I put you under anesthesia right now, mm-hmm. literally or knocked you out, you know, and then I put your arm over your head, like you will typically have way more motion, this kind of passive range, yep. right? But then I ask you to actually put your arm up there, all of a sudden there's this restriction, right? And so, yep. you know, that's the same thing we focus on. And it's obviously, you know, the, the message is great. Is like, hey, I'm going to get in there. We can do some manual therapy techniques, do massage like you do, and hopefully expand this ability of passive motion and then you can go in there and, and hopefully i call it hitting the save button you know what yeah. i mean and like actually go use it and do it like and i just love that that's something that you focus on as well because that's obviously very important you yes know, to staying healthy is to be able to not just lay there on a table like oh that's, that's great and like very beneficial but like obviously need to go use that stuff too yeah well it's uh so with my clients they'll come in i'll be like well, what's your goal and they go oh i don't want to hurt anymore and i was like that's a horrible goal sorry i mean it we get it nobody wants to be in pain but the fact is what is your goal and somebody's like, well, I'd love to play tennis again, but I know that's probably, you know, outside the realm of possibility. Like, no, it's not. So let's get you to play tennis. Right. And someone's like, all right, I have one client who's just like, all I want to do is one of my very first clients, an 80, 87 year old. And he's like, all I want to do is be able to reach up and turn the fan on my desk on without having to stand up. 
I was like, that's a perfect goal. I mean, it's super short term, but it shows a mobility issue. Mm -hmm. uh, one person just wanted to sit and be able to play solitaire on the ground with her kids without getting sciatic pain. Yep. These are perfect goals. Uh, but yeah, to get away from pain is not a perfect goal, but they're all mobility driven. They're all active mobility issues. Yeah. And that's really what I love to focus on because yeah. these are the things that are keeping people from doing what they want to do. Yeah. No, I love that too. Same thing we do. Like pain, you know, I won't go into the pain science world, right? Yeah. But pain is a subjective experience. It's just yeah. the bottom line. Like you cannot measure it in an objective way. I can measure an objective way. Can you reach that lamp or can you not reach that lamp? Yeah. So that's much more attainable. There's so many things, you know, we're no realizing now the complexity of pain is, you know, out of this world and we do not fully understand it's a bottom line, but I can understand, yep. you know, can I sit and reach for something or, you know, for us, a big one, I love that. We do the same thing. We, it's, it's definitely activity based objective goals. You know, can I get up off the floor without using my hands? You know what I mean? Or can I just even get up off the floor if I fall? Right. Like that's, that's, that's a big that's, one. That's yeah. That's kind of a big one. Which right? is why I like Turkish get-ups. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> you, right. You can't use your hands. Right. Like some people that's just hard enough in general. So yeah. Yeah, no, those, those objective goals, it's just, it also just gives people, for me, very much of, of what we do, and, and honestly, the goal of the podcast, which is, you know, our, our missions aligned in this regard, is like empowering people. Like, yes. a pain, it's not like, I can't come in, fix me, come back, fix me again. Like, that's not empowering you. Like, there's, yeah. you know, I want to create a world where, like, I'm giving you control over your own health, and unfortunately, there's still people who don't really push that message. Yeah. And the problem with using pain is that most people audit pain. It's like if you go to a class and you audit a class, it's pass or fail. Well, that's what people do with pain. And that's a horrible thing to do because there is an immense amount of different healing stages that we go through. Uh, one of the hardest ones is the periods of remission and exacerbation. And so people are like, I had a day and I didn't have any pain. And then all of a sudden it hurt again. And they're like, oh no, it's back. And then it goes away. And then it comes back and it goes away. And what they forget is to realize that that apex and that trough are getting closer and closer and closer together to the point where they'll be healed. But all they're doing is saying it hurts. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. And so that auditing pain becomes very crushing to people because all they want to do is feel good. But again, giving them them activity, giving those activity kind of driven things are like, well, I went and played nine holes of golf and I didn't hurt, you know? And I mean, I was a little stiff and I was a little, and you just watch their definitions change, the word, their verbiage about change. I was change. able to go play it, right? Exactly. As to like I did or did not have pain. Yep. Do it. Like I was just able to physically do that. 100% yep. shifting the, the locus of control is kind of the fancy term they put it, you know? I love it. Yeah. And, and on that specific thing, which, you know, that alone, when I've had some conversations, people who think I'm crazy, but like I've had conversations, people similar to what we're having and like their pain has diminished greatly just from that conversation because yeah. we kind of realized that there's this psychological and social component to pain as well. And, and people that aren't focusing on that are just leaving a ton on the table. Yeah. And it leaves people feeling very helpless. Yeah. If you're not shown that, I mean, tickling is a pain response um, on the Arndt Schultz scale. It's uh, it's the, one of the lowest levels, but when you are tickling somebody, technically the body's like, I am being hurt. So you're I, the one who told me that I've been yeah. using that ever since I was like, who told me that? That was me. Because <laughs> every time I, you know, uh, you know, obviously tickling my son or whatever, he loved to be tickled. He's like, oh, yeah. I'm tickling you. I'm not really that ticklish. And he's like, ah. <laughs> yeah. But then it's funny because yeah. tickle someone long enough and they start getting mad. Yeah. Because the body is finally going, you know My what? wife gets yeah. mad instantaneously. So does mine. <laughs> so does mine. Like, do not tickle me. 
It's the same thing with scaring her. Just yeah. don't scare her. Right. The body views it as a threat. That's still absolutely yes. fascinating. To yes. Me. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, a, and that's a thing. Like we kind of realize now that at sometimes when you talked about, you said it so eloquently and I, don't, I, I cannot put it that way, but like the body views pain as a threat and people so many times will put pain, not only like you said, audit is either off or on, but like pain equals damage mm-hmm. and pain is a very normal part of our lives. Yes. And we shouldn't, the, the goal shouldn't be to get rid of pain because actually I want to do a blog on this so bad, but if you didn't have pain, yep. it'd be very bad. Like people who have these, like there's some there are people out there who don't have pain sensors or they don't have, like it's mm-hmm. messed up and they usually don't live very long because like pain is very helpful. Yeah. It <laughs> pain, you, yeah like yeah. we step on a nail and it's rusty and we wouldn't feel it. And we just keep walking around. Like we could get an infection. Like pain tells us, Oh crap, something bad is happening. Please go there and fix it. Yeah. You know? And, but yeah. And on the other side, it's also not necessarily associated with damage, especially after, you know, like you said, this, you have this initial stage of mm-hmm. inflammation and damage, and then you have the stage of kind of remodeling and healing, and you can still sometimes have pain, especially if we go, you know, we can go down the chronic pain. That's a gateway. long story. That's no, a huge, you know, <laughs> we do a whole podcast on that, but yeah, no, man, that's, that's really good stuff. I think that's going to be super helpful for people listening. Um, let's do a little bit of Spitfire. All right, let's do it. All right. What are you best at? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, you mean per- personally, professionally? Sure, or? any and everything. Uh, I, I guess uh, it's it's both my uh, my greatest gift and my uh, my biggest downfall is a stubbornness, man. If I want something, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. If I, you know, but in the same sense, it's sometimes hard for me to veer back off my path. Sure. Uh, so, like, you know, even you know when I'm hurting, I still want to play with the kids. Uh, even when I'm, you know, things maybe aren't perfect, man, I'm still going to go for it. Oh, I didn't train for that race. You know what? I already said I was going to do it. Right. So, uh, yeah, that would, the the best thing that I think I have going for me is just um, somebody else used a different word. They used pers- um, uh, perseverance, sure. uh, which sounds much more positive. Yeah. Uh, I, I still just think it's stubbornness. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you d- define it how you want, right? Sure. Uh, positive, negative. Uh, so I'll say perseverance because, you know, it's positive. Absolutely. So yeah. once the ball is rolling, you just keep going. Depends what lens you do it through. Yeah. So what do you struggle with? It kind of well, there you go. Uh, yeah. I struggle sometimes with changing direction. So I, I have one of my biggest downfalls is I can fall into a rut. The same thing with the whole thing that happened in August. I mean, it's hard when you go 15 minutes on trampoline park with your kids and you can't breathe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so getting going on something is sometimes my, my hardest thing is to get going. Once I get going, I go strong. Right. Uh, but yeah, sometimes, um, yeah, getting started on new things. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Like pretty much every tax season. Getting started on paperwork, <laughs> not my thing. Yeah, I think a lot of us struggle with that. Yeah. Like that term paper, man, just starting it sometimes the hardest part, right? Yeah. Yeah. What is the number one thing the public should do to maintain their health and fitness? If you had to pick one thing only, I love this question because I just kind of challenges people to, you know, really narrow it down to one thing. Get up and get moving. Yep. Um, the thing, the thing that most people don't realize, you know, uh, 30 body weight squats a day, American heart association states, uh, that'll improve your, the quality of your life for 30 years. Um, but what they don't tell you is why it's, it hurts as we get older to sit down and stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, it gets, it's more painful to get up and get moving. And so the one thing I would tell people is get off the couch, get off the chair. Um, sitting is so bad for us. We're the only animals in the animal kingdom that sit without being trained to do so. 
Um, no other animal does it. They either stand up or they lay down. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that should be problem number one for us. Uh, but yeah, get up and get moving. Dick Van Dyke has a great book about that. Um, uh, everyone always wanted to know why Dick Van Dyke is still up and he's dancing and he's doing all this. He's got a 50-year-old hula dancer wife. And everyone's like, how do you do it? And he goes, I just never stopped moving. Mm -hmm. He goes, I wrote this book because my publicist said that everybody wanted to know. And so here you go. Here's the book. And the whole book is just basically him telling stories about how he never sits down. Yeah. So that's, that's amazing. That's, I mean, I could not agree more. Um, especially even just talking about the pain stuff. Like you said, it hurts to do 30 air squats. Like it hurts to work out. Yeah. But like that is not necessarily a bad thing. Keep moving no matter yeah. what. You know? Because otherwise you go the opposite way. You yeah. go, you goes, it hurts. I should do it more so that it doesn't hurt. Or you go, it hurts. I won't do it. Now it's only going to hurt more and you're going to do it less. Yep. That's good stuff, man. So a question I always, um, I've, I've, for some reason, forgot to ask, but like, what is your definition of a healthy person? I ask everybody a healthy Charleston podcast. Give it, pick a definition for it. What would that be? Uh, I believe the easiest answer for a healthy person is a person who doesn't doesn't exceed themselves in either distress or eustress. Um, you know, I say get up and get moving, but honestly, every once in a while, rest and relaxation can do a, a ton more for you. Um, but really it's a person who finds a great balance between the distress in the world, the things that are painful, the things like sitting at a desk, uh, things that ruin our posture, ruin our ability to move. Uh, and then making that in harmony with you, stress, exercising, relaxation, and all of that. Um, it, one of, you know, too much of one or the other, mm -hmm. and you're going to have a problem. You're going to be unhealthy, yep. but a perfect balance of the two, uh, kind of makes you a healthy person. That's perfect. Seal it up in that. That is a great little nugget for people to, you know, go home with. So that, that's amazing. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Healthy Charleston Podcast. Don't forget your body is resilient, strong, and adaptable. The way to better healthcare and a healthier you is education and empowerment. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and maybe even leave some comments. Thanks so much.